Welcome to the unhostile takeover of the Energy Radio Show. Me taking over uh, my own radio show while my co-host Lisa Katz is busy taking care of her newborn and being a mom. My name is Matt Lensink and this is the Energy Radio unhostile takeover with a focus on blockchain and crypto and how that intersects with the energy space. And uh, I'm, I have a special guest that I am meeting for the first time, just like you. And uh, so I will uh, welcome Mohammed to Energy Radio. Mohammed, welcome. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. You are with a company called Permian Chain. Is that right? Yeah, I uh, run and operate uh, Permian Chain as well as uh, uh, Brock's Equity, which is another uh, company involved in energy and, and Bitcoin mining. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for our discussion today. Um, as part of this takeover, it, it's really kind of an organic discussion uh, around something that I think is becoming more and more part of our social consciousness and fabric uh, and something I'm learning about. And so this, you know, first and foremost is quite frankly, uh, me learning about the space and about what's happening in the space. And hopefully by extension, our listeners are learning as well. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the topic, would love, Mohammed, for you to give uh, a bit of your origin story, your background story. What brings you to um, to Permian Chain and to, to this part of the industry? Maybe walk the listeners through a bit of your background uh, and then we'll we'll talk a bit about um, then we'll talk a bit about blockchain and then we'll get into Permian Chain and, and what you guys are all about. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my background really professionally comes uh, stems from a corporate finance uh, background. Um, so I did. I, I started in political science, actually, uh, at first at Concordia University and then um, ventured off to do some uh, financial uh certifications after that uh, to enter the finance world um, but uh, predominantly focused on growth equity advisory um, capital raising uh, with uh, small and medium enterprises uh, so that was my main focus I guess um, and then seven years later I, I, I started uh, uh, reading up on blockchain um, uh, learning more about Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin mining, um, decentralized uh, finance, and I realized, you know, everything I'm doing in the corporate finance world could be digitized, and uh, that's when, you know, I had my uh, light bulbs go off, and I started uh, thinking about how I can unplug myself from uh, the toxic world of corporate uh, finance and investment banking uh, because it could get toxic at times uh, but um, it is still uh, exciting uh, and it's still something I'm passionate about uh, little did I know that you can never unplug yourself from it completely 100% <laughs> no matter how decentralized you get uh, because uh, it provides order it provides structure uh, and it's a, it's a much needed um, governance framework to uh, succeed in, in whatever company you're, you're trying to grow. So I took the corporate finance world and, and started digitizing it or digitizing the process of corporate finance. Um, and that's when I started to um, uh, write up, you know, my, my business plan for Permian Chain, uh, because at the same time I was uh, working at the end of my corporate finance career, I was working with uh, energy and oil and gas companies 
um, trying to figure out how we can um, solve the uh, funding and market challenges for uh, small and medium-sized oil and gas companies in North America. Okay. And that's when you know, I started building up Permian Chain. Okay, awesome, love it. Okay, so start in political science, get into um, investment banking, finance, uh, and then you know start into energy, but discover this this uh, this new kind of technology, this new distributed finance, uh, and and start to build what is Permian Chain. So so we'll yeah. we'll we'll park that Permian Chain piece for a minute, um, and may, maybe you can help our listeners with some of the the blockchain 101 uh, kind of terms and, and and important things to know. Um, first, maybe give us your definition of, of what is the blockchain. Yeah, uh, a lot of people have you know different uh, perspectives and, and and ways of explaining it, uh, but ultimately, from from where I stand, I think you know blockchain um, could be looked at as a um, a system where uh, you know you have a distributed uh, ledger that organizes itself uh, um, with the same way as your your accountant maintains a um, your ledger your, your your ledger, the blockchain um, works similarly to an accounting ledger where it maintains transactions that are taking place on a specific network um, and organizes them into blocks uh, in in a form of a chain. Hence the word blockchain. So you have blocks. Uh, that comprise of a lot of transaction hashes and data sets that need to be organized properly. And I guess my explanation right now is merging what blockchain is and, and what blockchain data mining does, right? And these two right now are basically uh, merged into this explanation that I just realized I'm, I'm providing. But blocks that are organized in the form of a chain and each block block has a bunch of data sets and transaction hashes within it. And this whole system is public, it's transparent, it's immutable, um, it's trust proof, um, and at the same time tamper proof in most cases um, to a certain extent. It's very expensive to hack it. So uh, that's why uh, it's probably the safest way of storing data today, um, even though it's transparent yet anonymous, uh, or to a certain extent anonymous, as long as you're not doing any forensic analysis on the chain. Right. So let's. So that that was great. Thank you. That I really like how you kind of walked through that. I want to tease out, um, maybe tease out this whole secure piece and this. Maybe I'll start with this question. How is it different than, you know, you, you could have a Google Sheets uh, that has a whole bunch of ledgers on it. It's it's in the cloud. It's out there. Everybody can see it. It's transparent. I, I'm I'm perhaps drawing a, um, a, a, a an obscure or a, or a silly parallel to prove a point. But what's the difference between that and the blockchain? Like what makes it different than just a uh, a database or an Excel spreadsheet in the cloud? Yeah, that's a very good question. And um, so an Excel spreadsheet, you know, is, is really uh, a, f a file uh, that is stored on a centralized database. And the spreadsheet itself includes a lot of 
data or a bunch of information that the owner or the creator of that spreadsheet included in. So ultimately the file itself, right, or the hashes of that file is stored on a centralized server. Uh, if it's a Google Sheet, for example, in Google data centers, right, uh, okay. or maybe Microsoft data centers or Amazon data centers if you're using AWS. So your, your data is stored on a centralized server. So anyone with regards to security, anyone who hacks that specific server has access to all that information within that server, whether it's your spreadsheet or, or hundreds of thousands of other people's spreadsheets. Um, the difference is with a decentralized storage or, or blockchain-based storage, uh, uh, cloud storage or cloud data, um, the data within, first of all, that spreadsheet itself um, is then uh, de uh, encrypted and uh, the hashes of that spreadsheet, the digital um, uh, representation of that spreadsheet is distributed among uh, many servers, right? So okay. if you wanna if you wanna hack that one, if you want access to one that one spreadsheet, you have to have access to all of the uh, digital uh, encryption of this spreadsheet to put it together and be able to double click and open it, right? So there's a lot of things happening on on in the in the uh, compute computing and code realm, right? On the back end that we don't see as a user because it's the user experience has been streamlined and, and enhanced for the average person to be able to access their files. But ultimately these files, even though you can access them from your computer, that one file is uh, basically shredded and stored on many different servers within that uh, blockchain network, right? And then brought back, pieced back together uh, when you want to access it. Gotcha. Okay. And so does that, is that where we, like one of the, one of the key aspects I think of, of what's exciting about blockchain and, and, you know, decentralized finance is this notion of, you know, trust at the center of it, or we talk about trustless. Talk, talk to me about how that, you know, fits in and how that contrasts to, or how that's provided in our conventional markets and how that's provided uh, in in the blockchain and why that's a step forward. Yeah, there's a lot of talk. I mean, the word trust with when it's um, coupled with blockchain systems is um, a lot of time used loosely in my perspective. Mm. Mm. Some people might hate me for saying this, but it, <laughs> you know, trust, uh, you still need a, a credible uh, credibility in order to build trust, right? And that credibility is built, whether it's through brand awareness of the system you're using, whether it's from the parties who created the system you're using. So, you know, so whoever's managing or whoever's launched that system. The Bitcoin network, capital B, Bitcoin uh, has built this trust after having validated itself and built that credibility throughout the past decade or so. Um, and people now trust the network, right? Because you and I can transact on the Bitcoin network without an intermediary, and we can trust that whatever I send you, you're going to receive, and whatever um, you send me, I'm going to receive. And as long as we know that you know each of our public keys or public wallet addresses, then we know that 
who's who's that uh, who, who who the funds are coming from. So right. there's nobody in between that you and I need to trust to make sure that we receive our funds. Uh, so the Bitcoin network is reliable. Um, it's it hasn't been hacked. Uh, it cannot be hacked because it's so expensive to hack it. You have to hack 50 plus one, 50 percent plus one of the servers that are uh, the nodes and the and the miners that are online in order to be able to manipulate the ledger or the network itself. Um, in in other forms of blockchains, uh, where you're transacting uh, data and not so much value. Right, uh, Bitcoin. Yes. I look at it as a store of value, so you can transact anything of value. Other uh, blockchains, you can transact uh, pure data, files, whatever the case may be, digital assets, and that trust is is built into the blockchain itself because um, it's decentralized and because there is no intermediary in between, and because by nature and by design, the blockchain itself facilitates transactions. So. You go back to the internet and the creation of SMTP, the protocol for email, right? It was yes. the internet was created as a communication protocol. Uh, blockchain is created as a transaction protocol. So for the first time in the history of the internet, we can transact value instantaneously without a bank, without an intermediary, without anybody in between. So that's where that layer of trust comes in, is that blockchain allows for this to happen. But of course, if I'm on a marketplace that is run on blockchain, I need to trust the marketplace in order to transact on its blockchain, right? So there's still a, a level of trust that needs to be earned and built. Uh, however, blockchain by nature is a trust protocol that facilitates transactions. That's how oh, I look at it. I love that. The, the internet was built as a communication protocol and the blockchain is built as a transaction protocol. That's yeah. really, that's really cool. Um, so when we used to send money, like I would, you know, I would, I was in on eBay, you know, as a teenager buying, you know, used golf clubs from somewhere in Indiana, and then I'd send money on PayPal. That wasn't really, yes, there was money transacting from the user's perspective, but mm -hmm. it wasn't transacting through the internet, is what you're saying. It wasn't being facilitated by uh, a network uh, that is decentralized. It was it was a uh, something you're relying on PayPal, right? Because you're sending money to PayPal through Swift, through credit card, through whatever the the, the mechanism we were using for payment gateways online. Um, so you're relying on PayPal to facilitate that transaction. That transaction itself. Um, is not basically on the network. It's it's not on the internet. It's on different systems that are plugged into the uh, the internet, right? right? This the blockchain is built into the internet, and you're just able to transact anything of value on it, um, and it's instantaneous, and you don't need to rely on the PayPal's or or the, the intermediaries. Love it, love it. So we. We talk about um, this notion of let's talk about tokens for a minute. When we when we were young and we'd go to the arcade, we'd, we'd get a stack of tokens. Uh, now we talk about tokens in the context of the blockchain, um, and then we talk about tokens, and then we talk about non fungible tokens. Many people hear about them as NFTs. Um, can you walk our listeners through kind of 
what's the role of a token? Uh, and then how does a token differ from a non-fungible token, an NFT? Yeah, um, so fungible and non-fungible tokens uh, is what you're asking. So fungible yes. tokens, fungible tokens are basically tokens that are freely tradable um, and that uh, can be fractionalized. So you can own 0.000001 of a Bitcoin, right? Uh, right? You don't need to buy one full Bitcoin. You, you can own a fraction of a Bitcoin. Um, and Bitcoin is freely tradable, uh, such as Ethereum as well, and all the other um, ERC-20 smart contracts or the Ethereum-based tokens that are built uh, using Ethereum uh, uh, network or Ethereum language, which is Solidity. Um, so these are all, in most cases, fungible, so freely tradable and fractionalized. Uh, Non-fungible tokens is basically you create one token, which is one smart contract for each, for a specific asset, right? And that non-fungible token is not freely tradable and is not fractionalized uh, ownership. Uh, so basically, if I want to tokenize um, a, a real estate property, I can create a smart contract that represents ownership in a specific real estate property and sell that smart contract in the form of a token to a buyer. So now if that buyer holds this token, he holds the rights and the ownership of that property, right? If, if they want to uh, fractionalize ownership in that property, then you need to create a fungible token um, that is divisible into fractions. And you can have hundreds of people own a single real estate property by fractionalizing the token that represents ownership in that property. Um, but it's all based on business model, based on preference, based on the goals and objectives of you know, what you're tokenizing for. Um, and it's uh, basically code, right? So you can code a token within its smart contract to be fungible or non-fungible. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Um, I, wanna, I wanna start to move to, to Permian chain, but are there any other kind of, um, and I, I don't mean to have a pun here, but are there any other building blocks that our listeners should know in terms of definitions or, or kind of uh, the way that the ecosystem works beyond what we've talked about before we start to get into Permian chain? Yeah, so you have two things here that I think we should touch on is, is proof of stake and proof of work. Okay. Um, so blockchains, there are two forms of blockchain protocols one that runs on proof-of-stake algorithms and one that runs on proof-of-work algorithms. Uh, proof-of-work is basically the native uh, way of doing things, um, and proof-of-work algorithms are basically what Bitcoin runs on. Um, and proof-of-work is, is the process of running specialized computing equipment uh, to maintain a specific blockchain, right? Um, so what proof-of-work mining is, um, is the, the action of running um, and operating data centers that house specialized computer equipment, which are you know, servers uh, that run a specific blockchain network. In the, in the context of Bitcoin mining, we're running uh, specialized ASICs, which are application-specific integrated circuits. And these ASICs are basically uh, servers that 
keep the Bitcoin blockchain maintained, as we discussed with regards to maintaining a blockchain. Uh, they, they basically hash their way towards solving um, equations on the network that allows them to organize blocks and transactions in order that they are received. Uh, in exchange for that work, the miners, the servers, are receiving a reward in the form of Bitcoin. And that's how Bitcoin miners make money, right? So they, they right. mine, they keep the network running. In exchange, the network is programmed by design to reward the miners uh, a certain number of Bitcoin for each block that is mined uh, and that is organized and, and uh, published on the, on the chain. Uh, so that's proof of work mining. Uh, proof of stake mining is uh, similar to, uh, and proof of stake is what really revolutionizes finance um, in okay. terms of uh, banking itself, right? So when you're when you go to your bank and and you want to uh, invest your money uh, in something that's very safe, you would most likely uh, open a savings account and do fixed deposits that earn you, you know, a few basis points or a percent on, on your savings every year, right? So you put a fixed deposit and you're earning a yield on that. In proof of stake, you basically buy, so if Ethereum, for example, is running proof of stake, you will buy a certain number of Ethereum tokens and you will stake them, deposit them on the network. And in exchange, um, the mining process is no longer the use of servers, it's the staking of tokens on that network that keeps the network safe, that keeps the network running, and in exchange, you are rewarded uh, in in that token as a yield, right? For 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 staking on the network. So it's similar to a fixed deposit, uh, but it's a fixed deposit on steroids because it's very profitable, um, and that staking process allows you to secure the network and exchange you're receiving a reward. So that's different between proof of work and proof of stake. And what we are doing right now is proof of work. Right. And so when you talk about proof of stake, how, how does, how, if I had, if I had, um, well, let's pick 32 ETH, because I know that that's, uh, I think, enough to get a, a staking node on the, on the ETH network. So let's say I had 32 ETH and I staked them. How does me staking the ETH provide, um, you know, the the, uh, the the protocol with its strength. I understand in proof of work where it's a machine crunching numbers. Mm -hmm. How does how does putting, you know, ETH on deposit uh, uh, build that consensus or that maybe I'm using the wrong term, but how does just putting it in a deposit, you know, provide the, the security of the network? Uh, so I don't know the exact details of that, but what I do know is the more users you have on a network, the more secure that network becomes. Right. Just like proof of work, the more miners you have online on the network, the more secure the network becomes because you have much more hash power right. uh, that's being contributed to the network, that's securing the network, that's making sure it's organized. And the more miners you have online, the harder it is for hackers to manipulate, to, to tap into all these servers. So when you have more users staking on the network, and that's, I believe, by design from the coding and the algorithm itself. When you, you know, when you code something to perform a certain way based on certain actions and functions, it'll perform that way, right? So it's, it's, it's all, it all goes back to the code and the algorithm. So the more 
stakers you have on that network are basically um, introducing a new node, right? It's like getting a new server onto the network, but it's just less energy consuming and much more efficient. However, it is um, not as safe as proof of work, right. not as okay. secure as proof of work in terms gotcha. of cybersecurity. Gotcha. Okay. And and you, you often, if you spend any time on social media, you hear people talk about you know staking their crypto and getting crazy you know APY returns. Is that you know and, and full disclosure, yeah. this is, this is not financial advice, and it's you know it's probably a word of caution. But is that the phenomenon we're talking about here, albeit on perhaps a new and kind of uh, early stage uh, blockchain? But is that the same phenomenon we're talking about here with proof of stake? Yeah, it's 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 the same and it's similar. And the problem with that is, you know, so personally, I haven't staked um, a large amount of money on any network. Uh, you know, I've done very very small increments of tokens just to test and see how things work. But I've sure. never gone crazy with staking because, um, as much as people earned from staking, they also lost from staking. Uh, and that's normal in everything that's in its infancy and, and early stages. Uh, but there's a lot of hacking. Uh, recently, Axie Infinity's uh, network got hacked, and, and people lost a lot of their staking dollars, so or tokens. Um, you know, I had like 50 bucks on Axie, right, and just to see how it works. Uh, but you know, these things work. But at the same time, um, you know, they're 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 less secure. Proof of work is is a much more uh, uh, attractive from a risk reward perspective. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so we've got got we've got the blockchain kind of understood. We've understood uh, tokens. We've understood proof of work, proof of stake. Uh, gone through a bunch of these uh, definitions. Um, let Let's get a little bit closer to home for you. Talk to us about Permian Chain. Uh, how long you've been around? Kind of. What are you guys focused on in this broader blockchain ecosystem? Yeah, so Permian Chain was established in 2018 um, as a, as a uh, natural resources tokenization platform. Um, so that 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 is that was the vision, right? And and the the ambition is to tokenize natural resources, starting with uh, natural gas. Um, the reason. You know the purpose behind permanent chain is really because I understood uh, the challenges. You know, during like I said, during my my corporate finance days when I was working on on some energy transactions, I, I realized the challenges of of oil and gas lies mainly in capital, because you need you're you're always on that treadmill. You're never off that treadmill when you're in oil and gas. You have to keep drilling. You have to keep funding. You have to keep cash flows coming in. Um, so there's always a capital issue for the junior companies. Um, and there's also a market challenge where natural gas cannot be piped into the market in most cases um, where you have remote locations um, or remote gas wells. Uh, they ultimately become stranded in areas where uh, you're not allowed to flare, right, or where you have a flaring limit. Um, so besides all the wasted gas around the world where, you know, you have around like 142 billion cubic feet of gas being flared globally each year. Um, so that's, you know, the terawatts of power that could be uh, uh, generated for uh, many purposes. But what we're looking at is Bitcoin mining. 
Um, and you also have stranded gas that is, you know, abandoned wells that uh, are a liability on most of these oil and gas companies' balance sheets. Um, so we developed a platform that allows us to aggregate all of these wells um, mm. by, by allowing oil and gas companies to register their gas reserves and gas wells on our site, right? So they can have their own account on our portal, which is called Permian Chain Supplier. And uh, they're called suppliers because they are suppliers of energy and they register all of their uh, gas resources onto the platform. We come up with an estimated uh, power capacity in kilowatt hours. Uh, so we convert the cubic feet to kilowatt, kilowatt hours and come up with an estimate on how much power capacity we can get from each of these sites. Um, we then go on and, and represent that kilowatt in a form of a token called digital energy currency. Right? Uh, digital energy currency is a utility token uh, a, a fungible token that we coded uh, and developed and deployed on our platform for uh, the Permian Chain miner users, right? Because our platform is comprised of four portals or four foundation blocks. One is Permian Chain dealer, the other is Permian Chain investor, the third is Permian Chain supplier, and the fourth is Permian Chain miner. Uh, what we're talking about right now is supplier and miner. Uh, so after the tokenization process, uh, we show our miners the list of energy sites that we have contracted with, right? And they can then purchase digital energy currency uh, and stake that digital energy currency on any one of those locations that they're interested in securing hosting capacity in for their servers, um, for their mining servers, right? Because we... On the permanent chain miner side, we offer Bitcoin mining as a service, as well as energy as a service, right? Because we are the ones working with the energy providers uh, to help distribute and make a market for that gas that's stranded or wasted in some cases. Right. Um, so the, the oil and gas companies working with one tenant, right? One person, uh, one entity, and our permanent chain entities working with a lot of uh, Bitcoin miners that are partnered with us, right? So uh -huh. they become our they become our partners in the pool of mining uh, a, a mining pool that we organize and we have all our miners come in with us um, under contractual arrangement that they accept as they get onboarded to the platform. But ultimately, we don't look at them as our customers. We look at them as our partners, right? Our mining partners. Um, so. Uh, that's basically what we developed, and um, we we've, we're live since December 2020. Um, okay. We have approximately uh, 20,000 terahash under our management, so that's around 20 petahash, uh, which is approximately uh, 350 uh, mining servers um, that we own and, and manage uh, and uh, uh, operate with the energy company that we're contracted with. Uh, so right now we're working with an energy company out of Alberta. What the energy companies see us as is their digital midstream to downstream provider, right? Because we create that digital energy market that did not exist before. So 
you said a lot there. I want to I want to kind of unpack that yeah. step by step because <laughs> it's it's what you live and breathe every day, but it's not necessarily what uh, what our listeners do. Although you know, probably more and more of them are getting into it. So so let's start on the. Um, digital energy supplier side. Did I get that right? The, the gas companies, you, you call them digital energy suppliers? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, right so, they, so those are people who have, you know, natural resources in the ground that are either being flared or are being, you know, they're, they're captive. They're not, they're not being, you know, um, they're not being used, but, but potentially a liability. So they, they contact you and, you kind of get them registered on your site. Do they? Is there a, is there a token that that transacts when they like? Do they get a token or do they give a token or is there a token economics or tokenomics piece to to the supplier side? Um, they don't necessarily need to get involved in the token aspect of it. Okay. Uh, because, you know, it's I don't think it's something that um, energy suppliers want to uh, get involved in directly. Uh, but what does happen is they can track how many they can monitor how many tokens have been contributed to uh to their site specifically so that then they have an idea of um, how much power is going to be consumed right oh. and it's as if you have a smart offtake agreement right, using the token where all these tokens that are being staked uh towards that site basically uh, represent a smart offtake agreement. So we're gonna go back to the energy supplier and say, look, we have, uh, let's say, you know, $1 million in stake tokens um, for one of your sites. Uh, we're gonna use that to uh, purchase X amount of gas, right? And then we're gonna generate power with that. So, so, they, so that so allows us to, to show them that, uh, you know, that allows us to offtake uh, production before it's produced. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's cut, the pieces are coming together here. So, so they, so the supplier is really selling to you uh, their commodity in a conventional unit of measure, like you know dollars per MMBTU or dollars per cubic meter of gas. Yeah. Eventually, once the project happens, that's what they are selling their their natural resource to you as a commodity, like we've done for a long time. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's exactly All right. It. So on the miner side, then the digital energy miner. So if I came in as a miner, I would I would transact. I would get the digital energy currency, the token, and I would stake that, and that would indicate my desire to be uh, a, one of the miners at at a geographical project site. Like I'm trying to in my brain. Yeah bridge the yeah. gap between the digital and, and the geographic. So do I buy more tokens if I want to mine more? Do I, like, how does that work? So, so what happens is uh, the, the miners, when they're onboarded to the platform, they, they have to basically decide uh, how, how much uh, mining servers they want to um, uh, add onto their account, right? So okay. you, you have to, you have to purchase the ASICs, the mining ASICs. Um, and then the ongoing cost of running that ASICs power platform is using the digital energy currency, right? So they can use their digital energy currency to cover the ongoing costs of running that uh, server. So that's, a, that's, that's basically a utility token, right? So, um, and you can think of it as Canadian tire money, 
right? Because our company gives you digital energy currency. You can use that currency on the platform to pay your bills, right? Um, and you can use that currency on the platform to stake it on energy sites that are yet to be commissioned, right? So you can secure your spot on new sites. Um, and that's synonymous to a smart offtake, right? You're going to say, I'm going to stake uh, $10,000 worth of this token onto that site. That means you got $10,000 worth of, of power. You can consume that $10,000 in a month or in a year, depending how many servers you have on your account, right? Okay. So does the, does the, is the miner responsible for going to you know best buy i'm being silly here but going to best buy and buying the a6 miner and and getting into no, no, no. Oh, okay this is the whole process is hands-off headache-free mining for the miner and right. uh, a, a streamlined uh offtake for the supplier right gotcha. the miner and the supplier don't interact don't interact premium right. chain is taking care of everything we are uh, legal owners of all these asics right and these miners are basically partnering up with us on the sites that we list onto the platform but we then you know allocate rewards according to how many uh mining servers each miner account uh decided to uh, purchase gotcha and so is it is it similar to you know kind of what, what we're seeing elsewhere in the power development world where you have you have a natural resource in your case it's it's let's call it gas uh, in other cases it might be wind or solar and mm -hmm. um you know what that resource is and you have to stack up your off takers until you have enough critical mass that you as a developer are ready to make the investment decision and maybe you've got 80 percent subscription for your off take and you know you'll get the mm -hmm. next 20 percent is is it is that essentially what you're doing here Definitely, yes, exactly. Okay. That's exactly what we're doing um, with the digital energy currency. The more people, the more miners or crypto enthusiasts uh, adopt the digital energy currency, the more uh, liquidity we can unlock for energy suppliers that have wasted and stranded gas to reduce the on-grid footprint of Bitcoin mining. And I believe that's like a moral obligation to all Bitcoin miners to get off the grid. Uh, because uh, when you put too much load on the grid, uh, it's it's never good for for the grid, for the economy, for the society that's consuming the electricity coming out of the grid. And you open the room for government clampdown. That's not what you want. No. Okay. You mentioned so I, we got the supplier piece, we got the miner piece. You mentioned that the platform, or there was four platforms. There's two other ones we haven't talked about yet, right? So a Permian Chain dealer and Permian Chain investor. And this is where it gets really interesting is Permian Chain dealers uh, are basically registered exempt market dealers, right? Uh, registered exempt market dealers can use our platform to onboard uh, accredited investors on Permian Chain investor. So okay. the dealers basically take care of the KYC, the compliance, the AML, you know, they're the regulated entity and they take care of the uh, uh, permian chain suppliers due diligence in case that permian chain supplier wants to raise uh, capital through digital security offering. So you can create a security token that represents shares in those energy companies and the permian chain investors can invest in these digital security offerings that are issued by energy suppliers. 
um, and uh, the token itself will have to be distributed by the dealers because it's a regulated security, right? Uh, or a regulated offering. Uh, so right. we allow uh, energy suppliers to become issuers on the platform by working closely with exempt market dealers that are registered on our platform. And that opens up uh, basically another potential source of liquidity from uh, investors that are interested in investing in Bitcoin energy companies or digital energy companies um, or energy companies that are adopting blockchain and Bitcoin mining. Okay, so the, so the Permian chain a dealer is a is a, a essentially somebody who then brings the Permian Chain investor in as as a supplier or as a miner. No, the Permian Chain investor comes in as an investor to invest in uh, issuances uh, or offerings that are uh, uh, offered by energy suppliers. So it's a private placements like it's digital private placement process. Okay. Right. Okay. So you as a private company can issue, you know, a, a private placement to accredited investors. So that becomes an exempt offering under available prospectus exemption. Okay. And, and, and sorry, the capital is being raised for what purpose? Excuse my ignorance. So the, the, the capital that would be uh, raised would be towards um, the energy company being able to adopt uh, Bitcoin mining uh, on site, right? Gotcha. And not necessarily for itself, but at least uh, funding the infrastructure or to fund the development of low cost power generation for uh, blockchain computing. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk about the, that piece of it because that's. That, you know... that, that optimizes the business model for oil and gas companies, basically. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So. I'm now kind of zeroing in on the actual site. We have we have captive gas, and we need to get electricity. Um, you're using kind of conventional recip engine or gas turbine technology, kind of at the core to to make electricity. Is that is is that what you're doing on site? Yeah, in, in most cases, it's just uh, power generation equipment, uh, natural gas power generation equipment um, that that is deployed on site uh, to. Uh, provide electricity to the uh, mobile and modular data centers that are designed and fabricated by some of our uh, partners. Okay. And so, so where uh, where is Permian Chain at in terms of you know since 2018? Uh, where are you at in terms of active mining sites and build out and you know I don't know how you're measuring kind of your development and growth, but talk to us about kind of the, the where you're at and where you're going in the near term. Yeah, we have uh, approximately, I would say, five mining sites uh, right now uh, wow. for a total of uh, close to 400 servers that are running uh, in Alberta. Um, we're expanding our energy capacity into Australia, where we've uh, onboarded another energy company uh, that has a bunch of stranded wells in Australia, and, and they want to make use of it by generating power and and, and adopting Bitcoin mining on site for themselves, but also, you know, for third-party mining. And that's where Permian Chain come in, comes in to, to, to manage that third-party process. Um, so we'll probably have around, I would say, up to 15 megawatts worth of power in Australia within the next, uh, starting Q4 2022 and going into Q4 2023. Um, and that's 
the capacity that's that's going to allow us to open a new market. Uh, so we just keep onboarding energy companies is our objective because um, when you can get more energy capacity onto the platform, you'll automatically attract more mining partners right. and eventually more investors that want to help energy companies grow their uh, digital energy capacity. Because I've been saying this for three years and you know, recently you, you had announcements from ExxonMobil that they're uh, selling fuel to Bitcoin mining. You had uh, announcement from ConocoPhillips, um, announcements from other smaller energy companies. And I know of a few that are gonna be making announcements within a few weeks. Uh, so this trend is just growing. And since 2019, we've been saying the oil and gas uh, sector will dominate uh, blockchain computing and more specifically Bitcoin mining because they have the energy to keep it running um, and to make it more efficient and sustainable and, and reduce the on-grid footprint of uh, mining in general. And, and mining is not going anywhere because um, it is something that benefits communities. It is something that's uh, revolutionizing finance and um, decentralizing finance. And there's a, a, a global community that's supporting uh, and now institutions that are supporting this, uh, this sector. Cool. And so, how, what is what does the team at Permian Chain look like? Like, do you have? Are you kind of spread all over? Or are you growing the team? Like, talk to us a bit about the organization itself. Yeah, we have a team of uh, developers that maintain and and develop uh, the platform on an ongoing basis. So we have a team of six developers. Uh, we some are based in Canada, half of them in Canada, and the other half in India. Uh, cool. We've been working together since inception. Uh, I'm all, we're onboarding a chief mining officer uh, very soon. Uh, so that's in its final process. Uh, very experienced, very enthusiastic and ambitious individual that understands uh, proof of work, ASIC mining, and, and help, will help us to make our operations more efficient and make sure we uh, enhance our services uh, on the mining side and our support to the energy companies that are adopting mining on site. Um, yeah. yeah, we're growing and uh, I think we'll, we'll have a few more shareholders that'll be onboarded maybe in the next uh, quarter. So that's good part of you. our seed round. Yeah. yeah, good for you. Wow. So um, with respect to, um, you know, if somebody is listening to this saying, hey, I want to learn more about it or I want to get involved, I want to be a miner, I want to be, like, what what are some of the on ramps for people with with Permian Chain to kind of either as an energy supplier uh, who might be listening to this, or an, a miner, uh, or on the dealer side? Like, what are some of the 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 paths to get on on ramped with with your team, with your with what you're doing? Yeah, so um, our platforms are all live. So um, okay. any any supplier, dealer, investor, miner could go to. Uh, directly to the application and create an account. So for example, suppliers can go to supplier.permianchain.com. Same for minor investor and dealer.permianchain.com. Uh, but the best way I would say is to go to permianchain.com and uh, click learn more and fill up the form and someone will reach out and and we'll be able to, to make sure to, to answer questions and, and get you acquainted with, with the process the best ways to get on the call with us for sure. Uh, so permianchain.com is probably the first place to start. 
Cool. Awesome. And and stepping back a layer from that, Mohammed, um, if people are mm-hmm. listening to this and saying, hey, yeah, this this blockchain stuff, I've heard a lot about it. You know, my uncle, you know, said I should look into it or my my buddies, you know, uh, friends said I should get into it. Like, what's your advice stepping back from what Permian Chain is doing and just kind of this ecosystem in general? What's your advice for somebody who's just kind of getting into it? Where should they what should they be looking into? What should they be doing? What's some words of advice from you as people get into the space? Yeah, I, I had a, a very interesting learning curve the past three years. So uh, there's a lot to learn, and you're never going to learn anything without hands-on experience. Um, and I think you know it, it, you have to be willing to take a leap of faith and just uh, get into it. Uh, do your mistakes early, but um, diligently. Like don't don't do big mistakes. Do small mistakes. Every step you take, like make, take small steps to do small mistakes and learn from them before you you decide to take a big step and grow. Um, but I guess you know you have to do mistakes. You have to learn. Mm-hmm. You have to read a lot and reach out to people within the ecosystem. Every, I think everybody's willing to communicate. Virtually everybody's willing to communicate. Um, if anyone has, uh, you know, any questions or, or wishes to learn more about the space, I'm. I'm you know, available on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Um, I'm always responding because, uh, you know, whenever I have time, because that's that's how we grew. I, I, I never uh, turned away a message or as long as it was relevant uh, because I, you know, that's that's how we grew. I, I, I met very interesting people uh, online uh, in the past three years, and most of them I've never met personally or physically uh, because of COVID and the nature of, of of the world today and a lot of them i work with today and and, and we've grown together that's so cool and, and to our listeners i can 110 percent confirm that's the truth about muhammad i literally reached out said hey can we chat and here we've had a, a phenomenal hour-long conversation uh so he is he is a man of his word and uh i i uh, to that point about working together with people you've met um we should uh, uh, once we sign off on the uh, recorded podcast you and i should chat for a second i got a i got a crazy idea um based on what we've been talking about but uh muhammad this has been really really, this has been really really great i really appreciate your time and your generosity with your knowledge and your your explanations have been excellent uh and you guys are doing some really cool stuff i mean kudos to you guys You're, you're working hard and it's 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 paying off so um, thank you again for joining the Energy Energy uh, Radio uh, Unhostile Takeover. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you as always uh, to uh, to our listeners for for tuning in. I uh, hope it was educational. Big special thank you to Mohammed Al Masri of Permian Chain. Uh, just clearly a leader in this space in the intersection of distributed finance and and energy and and all the exciting things that are happening in the blockchain. This has been another episode of the unhostile takeover of Energy Radio with an emphasis on blockchain and cryptocurrency and all the other related things. Until next time, uh, have fun, stay safe. Remember, you're not in this alone. Reach out to people uh, and let's build this energy space together. Thanks.